Welcome to the Whole Health Empowerment Project podcast. This show is for women over 40 who are trying to create balance in their life when it comes to food, body, self-care, and wellness. You struggle to put yourself first, to maintain consistency when something isn't perfect, or maybe you feel like you don't have enough time or willpower to achieve the goals you desire. I'm your host, Trisha Stefankowitz, registered dietitian and nutritionist. I've worked with women like you achieve their goals by focusing on the next best step, no matter how messy, and meeting you where you are right now. In this show, you'll learn practical information, actionable strategies, and mindset tweaks so that you can feel healthier, more comfortable in your body, and make choices that work for your life. Come join me in failing forward one imperfect step at a time into the journey of health, wellness, and self-care. Welcome to your new project. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to the show. It's that time of the year where you are going to start seeing weight loss supplements or any of these other supplements that are going to support an improvement in your physical performance or just losing weight or anything like that. You're going to see it everywhere. It's going to be on TV and social media and in all of your feeds and all in the supermarkets and health food stores. Because of that, I wanted to spend some time talking about the dietary supplement industry And I want you to really understand the vastness and the profitability of the whole diet culture in general. The weight loss and weight management market size was worth around 224 billion B US dollars in 2021. It's estimated to hit approximately 405 billion US dollars by 2030. And they expect that the industry is going to keep growing as the global rates of obesity increase. And so because of that, you're going to be seeing all of these products on the market that are going to be promoting all of these things. It's going to be, you're going to see programs and supplements and everything under the sun because of the lucrativeness of the weight loss and health industry. So because of that, I wanted to talk about specifically dietary supplement industry in the States. And I suspect that every country has their own oversight or lack of oversight when it comes to dietary supplements. To understand a little bit about dietary supplements in the U.S. specifically, it's really important to talk about the history of them. So in the late 1980s and early 1990s, Congress was trying to increase the Food and Drug Administration's power for oversight and regulation. As part of that, there was a bill that was proposed that would tighten the labeling of the dietary supplement industry. As a response to that, the manufacturers, distributors, and producers of the dietary supplements and the health food stores that sold these products lobbied to vote against the bill because they didn't want the oversight in their industry. And at that time, the biggest financiers of the lobbyists were Zango, 
Herbalife and Nature Plus because they sold dietary supplements. At the time, there was also this understanding or there was this rhetoric to the public that if there was this oversight, there would those consumers would not be able to get the dietary supplements that they had been that they had been utilizing. And so because of that, there was a Republican and a Democratic senators that introduced a bill that was signed into law in 1994 that essentially gave more freedom to and less oversight of the dietary supplement industry. So what did this consist of? Essentially, dietary supplements no longer required any kind of pre-approval, review, or, or approval by the FDA before they were put on the market. So contrast to prescription drugs, which did have to have approval by the FDA before they can be sold, dietary supplements were just able to be put on the market, sight unseen. So manufacturers didn't have to, and still don't have to provide any evidence to the FDA that their products are safe or effective before selling any of these products. So essentially anybody can put a supplement on the market. There is no research involved. You can just put it on the market. One of the things that ended up happening though, is that the responsibility of the safety and truthfulness of the products were basically put on the dietary supplement manufacturer and distributor. So it was their responsibility to ensure that their products were safe and that whatever they claimed on the label was truthful and not misleading. But what happened is, is that the industry is so flooded with products in general, dietary supplement products, that it's so hard for the FDA to keep track of all the of the dietary supplements. In addition, the FDA is not allowed to really do anything if there is a concern with the product unless they find the product to be unsafe. But at that point, the product is already on the market because remember, there's no pre-approval or anything like that. So a product just, it's a new product, it goes right to market. So the FDA typically do not know if the product is safe or unsafe until it's on the market. And so essentially an, an adverse event has to happen in order for the FDA to, to know that a product is potentially unsafe or harmful to you. And only then, once it's deemed that it's unsafe, can the FDA take action against the manufacturer or distributor. But those actions really tend to be warnings, and sometimes they require the product to be removed from the marketplace. So when they talk about when you hear the wording of dietary supplements, this is what it entails. And this is quoted by the FDA. So a dietary supplement is a product intended for ingestion that among other requirements contains a dietary ingredient intended to supplement the diet. So this is your vitamins and minerals, your herbs, your amino acids. So usually any of your protein supplements that you're going to get are going to be not regulated. Any other like product that has some kind of dietary substance in it. So if you're taking any enzymes or if you're taking like any like live microbials such as probiotics, none of those are regulated. They're just free to go on the market. 
Typically, dietary supplements come in the form of pills and tablets and capsules. They can be powders and liquids and soft gels and gummies. So essentially, any of these products are going to be labeled a dietary supplement. And that's like, like some examples are like, if you take an iron supplement, that's a dietary supplement. If you take an herbal supplement, that's a dietary supplement. If you take like any vitamins, that's going to be a supplement. So as part of being a dietary supplement, there needs to be a label on the dietary supplement. And that label needs to say that it's a dietary supplement essentially. So the manufacturer can say that the product addresses a nutrient deficiency, that it helps your health or reduces the risk of developing a a health problem, but it has to be true, right? So for instance, folic acid. Folic acid has been shown in research to decrease neural birth defects. And so folic acid is going to probably be a little bit more supported in the claims because there's a lot of research to support it. And even if that that claim is true, they still have to put on the product that the statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and that the product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And you're always not allowed to say, like none of these supplements are allowed to say that they treat or prevent something from happening either, because that's really technically a marketing gimmick. So for instance, during COVID, there was all these supplements that came to market saying that they were going to treat or prevent COVID. And then all of these different letters went out to say, like, well, you can't really do that. COVID's a new disease. It's not really studied. How do you know that? And again, it's a dietary supplement. So you're not allowed to write on there that it's not, that it's a curing a disease essentially. So the conundrum now with having these dietary supplements on the market is that you have a good side to it. And as side that is, it can be really challenging to manage. So the good part of it is that if you as a consumer feel like you need dietary supplements to support your medical condition that you have, then you're able to go to the market freely and buy these supplements. If you have a nutrient deficiency and your body needs different vitamins, minerals, protein, whatever you need, you can get it. You can get it. So even if you're not getting it from your diet, you have access to it so that you can give your body exactly what it needs so that you can maintain optimal health. One of the downsides, however, is that there's just so many things like, so the first is, is that the industry is really driven by the supplement companies and not really given, gives protection to the consumer. So you don't really know like what's in the products and there's not really any studies. There may be some studies, but they're pretty small and there's hardly any human clinical trials when it comes to your dietary supplements. One of the more challenging things is that some of the supplements will claim that they are natural, in quotes, and so consumers believe that that product is healthier. And the concern is that if then the consumer is and decides to take the supplement and not the prescribed medication, that the doctor may feel is more effective. Some of the other downsides to it would be that the ingredients are essentially like nobody knows what's in them. So the ingredients can contain harmful contaminants that aren't listed on the label. And they can also include products that have already been banned by the FDA. 
And so there's no real way for you to know what it is in that product. So how they figured out that some of these products were contaminated is that there's these these groups. One of them is Consumer Lab. And so essentially what they do is, I think another one is Lab Door. So it's Consumer Labs and Lab Door, and they test the products. And they say like, okay, this product has nothing of what it said it had in it, and it contains these contaminants. Some of those websites that do those are independent and you may have to pay if you were curious about a particular product, you would have to probably pay to figure out what that is. So it's not always an easy way if if you're worried about something to be able to find that information. So one of the big things I think is that dietary supplements may increase or decrease the efficacy of the medication that you're taking. And so you have no idea what is going to happen. Some of the supplements with the highest risk of medication interaction that they know of is St. John's wort and golden seal. So if you look on the National Institute of Health website, and there's also an article that I listed in the show notes, there is information about what particular these two things do because there's a lot of interactions with different medications. In the show notes, I provided a lot of resources for you because I ended up going down this rabbit hole. And I feel like I always knew like a pretty decent amount about dietary supplements, but heck no, there's so much more to learn. So there's a lot of information in there. But one of the things I just wanted to kind of let you know is that that the National Institute of Health does have a fact sheet in there and they do talk about different supplements and what things they think interact with medications. Again, they don't really know for sure what medications interact with each supplement. So it's just probably the ones that they were able to figure out. Fish oil, vitamin K, and ginkgo have been associated like that maybe you don't want to take them or at the very minimum you want to discuss that you're taking them if you are somebody who is on warfarin, coumadin, or any other anticoagulant, or if you're somebody who has like a bleeding disorder and you have an increased risk of bleeding, you definitely want to talk to your healthcare provider about that. So one of the things I think you're getting to see when I'm talking about this is that you don't have a lot of protection as a consumer. And as the industry grows and continues to grow, the less protection you are going to have. One of the other things is that these products are assumed that you're taking them when you are relatively healthy. So if you become sick, if you're a kid, if you're pregnant, if you're older, you don't know how these products are going to interact because there's no studies. There could be some ingredients for some of these dietary supplements that you can use short term, but maybe you can't use long term. In those handouts that I just mentioned at the National Institutes of Health, you can go through the different dietary supplements and they'll kind of give you like dosages and time, length of time that is probably safe to use. So I definitely recommend you check that out. The other thing is that you may have different diseases or have food or drug allergies. And it's very difficult if you're taking these products, especially if you have allergies, to know what is in the products. When I worked in the hospital, we would have people that were like critically ill, on a ventilator, all these different things. And so many times I would get patients' families wanting to give them all these different dietary supplements. And it's really hard when you're in that 
especially like as you're a family member and you are trying to help your loved one, you think, oh my gosh, I should just have them take these supplements and they will feel better. But a lot of times it's probably really not indicated to do that. At least we never allow patients to do that and family members because again, you don't even know what these products are doing when someone is in a healthy state, let alone when someone is in this extreme state of of like inflammation and sickness. The other thing is, is that if you have any kind of organ damage, so for instance, if you have liver failure, a kidney failure, or heart failure, you don't know what these medications are going to do in terms of how they are utilized and synthesized in the body and what that does. So I've told you before that I am a dialysis dietitian, right? So we have patients that come in and they want to be on different supplements. But some of these supplements, especially if you have kidney damage or kidney disease, aren't going to be safe for patients to take because their kidneys can't don't work to help get rid of these things that are building up in their body. And so for you, just kind of knowing that If you have kids or if you're pregnant or if you're sick, just kind of look into some of these supplements or just use a little bit of caution or at the very minimum, talk to your healthcare team to figure out if these supplements are safe for you and for your family. So now that we've talked about it, let's talk about some ways that you can figure out. So now that we've talked about the history, what it means to be a dietary supplement and some of the conundrums that that happen with dietary supplements, let's talk about some ways that you can protect yourself. So one of the things first would be to know that there are some organizations out there that are meant to help consumers. So I told you about Consumer Lab and LabDoor, and these these people go in and they basically test the products to see if what's listed on the label is in fact what's in the product. Some of these companies that do that, they they have a cost that's associated with having a prescription or a subscription for having a subscription to their information. So one of the downsides is that it gives you information, but you may have to pay for it. There's also the USP. So that's like you'll see like a USP seal on different dietary supplements. And so that is basically... A dietary supplement verification program. So they're trying to have transparency with the different supplements. So they'll put that USP seal on the different dietary supplements. Also, you can look into what I suggested that's in the show notes if you want to look at the National Institutes of Health. They have dietary supplement fact sheets and they also have a database that has complementary medication in there. So It's some of it is really interesting. They have a few disease dates, but not a lot that basically talk about like what oral supplements or dietary supplements can. One of the things that they have in the NIH is basically there is like a category that has all the different nutrition, the dietary supplements listed in there. And you can click on like there's a column for like weight loss and then you can click on all of the products that people are promoting as weight loss and what the actual evidence says against those products. There's other medical conditions in there too. So if you have, there's not very many, like the ones I saw were like 
brain health, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis. So you can go in there and be like, oh my gosh, is this, can I take this supplement at what dose and what the efficacy around it is? So that sounds really cool and probably like that there's some room for growth in there. So that's what I would say. I think kind of like, and again, in the show notes, there's a lot of different resources in there. And then some of the other things that I would say to protect yourself is to watch out for claims from the dietary supplements that could be potentially fraudulent. And the FTC, so the Federal Trade Commission, they basically have things on their website to look out for. So I'm going to read them to you. So they say supplements that claim to be a cure or treatment for a disease, be wary of that. So what they're saying is if it says cure insomnia or it shrinks tumors or eat what you want and still lose weight, or even if it says like it prevents whatever disease to look out for that and just to kind of have your radar on a little bit because that product may actually not be doing that. A product that claims that it does like a million different things and it supports all these different health problems that can be looked at as fraudulent. Any product that is or says or markets itself as a secret or ancient ingredient, as a revolutionary product or a scientific breakthrough, also kind of have your ears up for that. Sometimes they said that there's going to be these misleading use of scientific terms on the label. So one of the ones that I see, which they actually said in, in on the FTC website, was thermogenesis. So you're going to see that in like your fitness products and your weight loss products. And then another one was glucose metabolism. So they're just like using these scientific terms that's really misleading for the actual product. If, if a product says that it's like a noble winning science or technology, be wary of that. If there are products that have like testimonials by patients or doctors, I feel like a lot of times you'll see this on TV in particular, especially if you wake up in the middle of the night and you just have some random channel on, they say to also be wary of those claims. If there are products that offer like a limited time or you need to pay in advance, be wary. And then lastly, if you have a no risk money back guarantee to be wary of that too. And so one of the things I think to take away from all of this is that it's going to be really important to talk to your healthcare provider and let them know that you are taking these supplements to see if it's interacting with any other supplements, especially if you're like somebody who's actively undergoing treatment for something, you just want to let them know that because it, again, it could increase or decrease the efficacy of any of the medications that you are taking. And also you have pharmacists and pharmacologists, you'll have pharmacists, especially if you're picking up your medications and they're a wonderful resource and they may in fact, even know a little bit more than your doctors do. I think pharmacists are amazing. I feel like I've gotten a lot of information from pharmacists they are so smart. So essentially just make sure you're talking to your healthcare team and just let them know what it is you're taking. And if you go to the pharmacy to pick up a medicine, again, you can ask your pharmacist to help you and assist you if they think anything would interfere with that. So in conclusion, remember that dietary supplements can be really valuable to leading to an overall balanced and healthy lifestyle when you're using it in conjunction with your diet. But it's really important to understand that there are some limitations with dietary supplements and that really you want to be in a place where you are 
approaching dietary supplements being well-informed as it's really the responsibility is really on you because there's really no oversight in the States when it comes to these products, unfortunately. So you as a consumer can harness the potential benefits without compromising your health if you just kind of are able to stay on top of it and know the limitations and the limited safety and effectiveness associated with these dietary supplements. So let me know if you guys have any questions or if there's any products that you are, that you're worried about. You can shoot me a message in on Instagram at Whole Health Empower or just kind of your thoughts about all of this. Again, I will leave all the different resources that we talked about in this episode in the show notes. I hope you guys have a really great week and I thank you very much for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you found value in this podcast, please rate, review, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends. Together, we can take tiny, imperfect steps towards creating the whole health we desire and deserve. Don't forget to grab your freebie. You can find the link in your show notes or over at trishard.com. I'll see you back here next week. Thank you.